Welcome to Word is Truth. This is Doug Presley. It is uh, February 5th, 2023, and we're going to continue our worship service uh, with the thought of the week and prayer. Okay, thank you, Doug. Thought of the week, he will guide you. He, God the Holy Spirit, will guide us. This is important information to those who want to keep in step with the Father's plan. All of, all of the jobs the Holy Spirit has, this one is the most important. Everyone wants to think that they will, that they believe it is absolutely true, especially when it comes to biblical doctrine. Somehow, we think that, we think that we have some internal monitor which detects the truth and is able to distinguish what is or what is not true. To think that we need a guide is say to is to say that we are in, in, in our, that we are incapable of arriving at the truth. Then someone use their internal intuition, their emotional conscience, or what feels right as the guiding of the Holy Spirit. In doing this, we are resisting the Holy Spirit guidance. We need to be distrustful of our inclinations because the Holy Spirit is trying to teach what I, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what the human mind has conceived. If we knew the way of truth, we wouldn't need the Holy Spirit to guide us. So it is, it is important that we come to know the voice of the Spirit of Truth. Without knowing His influence, it is essential that all of us have a spirit of humility. If the Spirit is doing the guiding, I would bet that where He is leading will not be to a familiar place. We shall let Him lead, and we shall seek to become expert in following. The Holy Spirit is the one that does all the teaching. We know that from the gospel and Christ spoke to, to those he told the wait and the Holy Spirit will reveal to them what is truth or not, what what truth that would be held to them. At that time what it happened, they have no idea what Christ was talking about, but they keep asking, why do you keep speaking to us in parables, Master? So we know through the Holy Spirit, he does the teaching. He teaches us what is truth and what the word of God is. But it's up to us to allow that to happen. In Greek terms, that becomes notice because we inherit it, but in Epidos, we believe and we make it real to us. So as let to go forward to have the white leaders of prayer to lead us into the prayer for people that have the questions. Thank you very much, Dave. Um, first, I'd like to start out by asking if anybody has any uh, particular or specific uh, prayer request. <clears throat> so, Dwight, um, the Haddon family, especially Kenny, who was in the hospital, but the entire Haddon family as well, uh, my prayer request. And also, Dwight, my family as well. Keep them in prayer also. Okay. Okay. And I'll be extending prayer for everybody's family, immediate and distant, expanding, um, and even include chosen family. Um, all right, so let us bow our heads before God and come to him in prayer. Um, dear Father in heaven, thank you so much for this opportunity that we get to openly and freely discuss your word and, and its influence on us. And um, we ask you to help us in our time of um, being in this world when humility is what we really need toward the Holy Spirit to let him guide us into all truth, which is his job, which he does delightfully. He loves leading us to truth and let us not grieve the spirit by getting overwhelmed with the um, with the distractions in this world. However, there are very legitimate 
um, challenges in this world, such as health and finances. And along the lines of health, I know that there are all kinds of things that can be uh, challenging and, and uh, you know, severely, um, you know, affect our bodies and everything. And I pray for the Haddon family, for example, that we have a, we have a member in, a, in the hospital suffering from all kinds of things, medical problems. And now uh, we want to lift that family up and be you to watch over them as our hearts think about the challenges they face. We want to pray for everybody's family, Dave's family, Bill, Doug, all our immediate families and extended families, even our chosen families. Uh, the people that are in our lives as if they are family members. Um, and I pray that all of us can um, can be supportive and open to each other to help each other out in this, in this uh, world that is, is not our home. Uh, heaven is our home. We are citizens of heaven. And though we truly belong there, we are sojourners. And while we are on this journey, on this earth, let us be kind and thankful for everything that they, everything that you have done for us, and, uh, especially in giving us this, your own spirit to reside in our bodies, that we could understand your deep thoughts and just how wonderful they are about us, how you've even thought of us before time began. And I pray that um, Word of Truth Christian Church will be uh, filled with the spirit, turned toward the Word, and I pray that persecuted Christians around the world would find reprieve and being able to soak in what the Holy Spirit has to say in, in spite of the challenges that they face. Um, and I pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Dwight. Thank you, uh, Dave, as well. <clears throat> Appreciate that. We are continuing where we left off. We are in the book of Galatians. We're doing a quick overview. I guess it's quick for us because we are not moving as fast as we normally would. Or actually, we're moving faster than we normally would, I meant to say. Uh, so we're going to get right to it because we have uh, some verses to cover. Just by way of review, I'm going to drop back to point number three, which is Galatians 1, 8, and 9. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. Now that is said in both 8 and verse 9. Uh, so uh, <laughs> for emphasis, in case you didn't hear me the first time, usually when it's written, you don't have to do that for emphasis. But here we do have it twice. It is important. I say it's an appropriate warning. A warning is given and repeated in the next verse too, as we have already said, and so now I say again. Point B, even if we are an angel from heaven, Paul includes himself with those who travel with and those who travel with him. <clears throat> so notice, if we or um, could be a messenger from heaven, whether even if it is an angel and he does not have the gospel, even if that were the case, if we were just going to stretch our imagination to anybody who comes and preaches a gospel that is different than what Paul preached, what Paul got from God, let them be eternally condemned. In other words, anathema. Well, what we come to understand that means is excommunicated, right? That's what anathema means. I used to say, let them be eternally condemned. But really, it means, as we have seen here, it means to be uh, removed from the body of believers. Let's keep going. Point D, to know, I believe this word is used to address the pastors uh, of the seven churches in Revelation 2 and 3. Uh, that's the same word, angelos. Uh, point E, the warning here is that if anybody is preaching a perverted gospel, listen, what this tells me, this verse tells me that there is one gospel. It is not another. There's not uh, some other gospel that we can say, yeah, well, we got two gospels. 
There's only one gospel. Everybody who is a believer <clears throat> should have the same gospel foundation. That's what we got to start with. If we don't start with that, <clears throat> we don't have brothers and sisters in Christ. So that is an important feature. And when someone comes along and perverts, compromises, or in any way tries to water down the gospel, they should not be somebody who is preaching in the body of believers. Point G, I conclude that this refers to someone preaching in the body, the church. If they are preaching the big lie, which is that you have to be righteous, you have to keep under the law, uh, and all these things in order to be saved, they should be removed from the body of believers. We discuss that. And hopefully this is not something we forget. We have standards in the church. Paul is saying that, get that person out of the church, right? Remove him. Then that his body will be destroyed, but that his spirit will be saved in the day of Christ. So he's not lost, whoever did this terrible thing in 1 Corinthians 5, 4 through 13, which we covered. But what we can say is that the church should have standards. That is important. And that person should be removed from the body of believers because that is not what we stand for. We, if we're in a church and they're teaching the false gospel, either we depart from that church or if that is going on in our church, we must remove that person. Even if it's me, if I'm preaching a false gospel, anybody, then I should be removed as the pastor. This is, we have to lay it on the line. It is bigger than anybody who comes along. So I just wanted to make sure we got that point. Let's keep going. So <clears throat> this is point number five. No, 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 four. We're on four. And I think we covered this, so we're going to go quickly. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings? Or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Point A, Christianity is not like politics. What God thinks is important to us and what man thinks really doesn't matter. Not when it comes to salvation. Right? We listen, we can we can listen to what man thinks, but in our minds, what is foundational for us is what God thinks. We believe God's testimony, not man's. Politics, we poll man to see what man thinks. And then people, politicians make decisions for, the, you know, for what they think man wants, what the, what the greater population wants. That's God doesn't care about that. He's saying he's Lord. Jesus is Lord. He's the one who has control. Point B, please people. Unfortunately, this is what ministry for many has become. It is about politics, pleasing people. Right? People, the ministers are crafting sermons and messages so that they will go over well with people. Not so much that they are teaching what the Bible says, but that they are catering to people, what people want. Point C, a servant of Christ is our position. And with the Spirit's ministry, we have the mind of Christ. And when I say a servant of Christ, Paul, who is an apostle, calls himself a doulos, a slave, a servant, a bond servant of Christ. Paul calls himself that. So what about us? It is not about who we are. We are following orders. I might say it is like middle management. If you've ever had been a manager, it's like middle management. You don't get to set the tone of what goes on. You, you didn't set the rules and the procedures. Your job is to follow them. Okay? This, not to say we can't think about them or reason with them, but that's not our job. Our job as middle management is to follow what has already been said. So we're slaves. We're servants. We're not in the, we're not setting uh, doctrine. Apostle God through the 
through Christ and the apostles have set the tone for what is the church. And then uh, we earnestly contend for it. Point, five, point number five. Let's keep going. Galatians 1.11. <clears throat> I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preached is not of human origin. Some three points on that. We're going to move forward. Paul gives his true credentials for his message. And who is that? What is that? It's God. God's word. And when I say that, you have to know that Paul did not have God as uh, a credential of his message. Because what Paul believed was of human origin. So God is the one who revealed the gospel to Paul. So there cannot be another gospel. Peter can't have another gospel. James or John or any of them can't have another gospel. This is the only gospel. In fact, it was it's the same gospel that Paul had. It's the same gospel they had. The only difference, as we're going to see when we get to chapter number two, was that Paul was going to go to the Gentiles and Peter and the others were going to go to the Jews. That didn't matter because they had the same gospel. So once people believe the gospel, then God takes over and, and dwells them and the Holy Spirit is leading and guiding them. And, and got, of course, he's given apostles and pastors the authority to teach and so forth. <clears throat> All of that comes into play after salvation has occurred. B, 5B is where we are. No, it's not of human origin. The gospel of grace is the wisdom of God, not the effort and invention of man. So uh, as we get down a little further, we're going to see that Paul was a Pharisee. Pharisees were focused on human tradition, the traditions of the elders and so forth, of the fathers. You're going to get to that. Well, Paul is saying it is not of human origin. Now, when I think of that, I also have to call out the fact that nobody can create a gospel anyway. Because if God condemned the, old, the, the whole human race in Adam, he had to know every sin of every person that would ever be born on planet Earth. No human being, no computer could possibly have that information. Mean, computers are, are an extension of man. Computers can do a lot. They can catalog and chronicle a lot of different things. But they cannot know of every sin of every person that would ever be born on the planet. They just don't have the capacity. We don't have the capacity. It's not human. So then, on top of that, to collect all of those sins in a cup, as it were, and to pour them out on Christ, all of those sins from the past, from the first sin of Adam and the woman, to every sin of every person that will be born on the planet. So, to collect them all and put them on Christ. He bore our sins in his own body on the cross. This is not of human origin. It's not, we can't, we're, we're the only recipient of this so great salvation. We cannot be in the design or uh, helping God save people. We can help by preaching the gospel, but in terms of the power that exists. Like it says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. That power is not in us. It's from God. God is the one who brings the power, not us. It is not of human origin. All we can do is talk about something that is supernatural. And some of, some of the time, that's what we have to consider. When religion approaches salvation, they have a salvation that is within their control. Well, if you are righteous, if you do what's right, if you listen to us and we tell you what to do, you do it, 
you'll be saved. And as you maintain that, you are saved. So, but that's not God's way. That's not anything. That is, in fact, in fact, a violation of what God says in the bad and the provision of God. So there's nothing is not of human origin. Even though religious people want to try to put it in that category, it is superhuman. We can't, there's nothing we can do to save ourselves. We're the ones lost. We have ones that need to salvation in the first place. Let's keep that in mind. Point C. Second Peter 1.16. This is a scripture that Peter says, For we did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and power. We, but we were, notice, eyewitnesses of his majesty. Two reasons why I bring this scripture at this point is, first, we, we did not follow cleverly devised stories. Peter said, we did not make this up. We, we did not craft a story and then sell it. Now, I've heard a lot of people on uh, social media, some of them have the nerve to say, the Bible is just a bunch of stories. It's made up stuff. Somebody wrote some stuff down, cleverly did it, and, and now got everybody believing it this way. That's what Peter's trying to tell you. Even in his day, people were throwing that out there as something that was viable, and it is not. Peter said we did not follow cleverly devised stories. And this is not, like Paul says, I didn't get this from any man. I got this from God. That's where, that's where it came from. That's the origin of it, God. So I did not follow cleverly, cleverly devised stories. When This is the first thought. And when we told you about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ in power. Peter is not saying, I helped the power. I was able to bring the power. All he did was be an eyewitness of his majesty. Just like we can't do anything about the power of God and the majesty of God. That's all God. But all we can do is sit back like Peter did and behold it. We could be eyewitness of it like Peter was. So let's put things in perspective about when we talk about salvation and the things of God, and yeah, they're beyond human comprehension, human capability, human understanding, and all of that. We can't, we can't do the things God does. And some people I know are they're like, "Oh, what are you saying that that man can save himself and 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 figure out a way that we can all exist on this earth together?" No, we, we can't. We need God. God is the only answer to this world. Not how man will come together at some point and we will all be singing songs of how we've overcome or, 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 or whatever it is. That's not going to be the answer. God is going to be the answer. He's going to come with the shout and the, the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first and, and then goes on and on. And then we'll be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. That's going to be the comfort that we have. That's what we know was going to happen. And that is superhuman. That is not something you, we, you can engineer. You can't figure that out. <laughs> the gospel we have is not of human origin. Keep that in mind when you're talking to people. The power of the gospel is not your emotional power. It is not your power of persuasion. It's all wrapped up in what God has already done. So, that's point C. Point, uh, we're going on to the next verse, 6. So Galatians 1.12. I, I did not receive it, from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, 
I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. Now look, <clears throat> everybody's experience will not be the same as the Apostle Paul's. But one thing you will have in common with the Apostle Paul is that you will be able to believe the gospel just like the Apostle Paul had to believe the gospel. Now one thing we know about Paul, about the Damascus Road experience and the whole thing, is that Paul is riding down, headed to Damascus so that he could arrest more people. He had authority from the chief priests and, and the rulers there in, in Jerusalem. He was headed to Damascus for that purpose, and God showed up on the road. And uh, Paul saw a great light that blinded him. He fell off his horse. God was communicating with the apostle. Well, he wasn't the apostle. He, he was Saul, Saul, Saul. Why are you persecuting me? We'll get to this later. I know there's some scriptures that address this point. But I'm only making the point in this one is that um, this part of it, he, he's saying he didn't receive it from any man, right? It, he, was, he was taught it. We're not going to get the same way Paul received this. We're going to be able to under Paul had to grab, still see the information and he had to put his faith in it. He had to trust in it. Now, Paul was a Pharisee. This was somebody who was zealous, as it says, for, you know, the uh, teachings that he had with the law and, and the, the elders. He was a Pharisee. So from Paul's perspective, for him, who had someone who had believed the big lie, he had to now believe the gospel. That's what we have to do. We have to believe the gospel. And, and I would hope um, we would understand that point. Believing it, he says, I was taught it, rather I received it. I was, he says, uh, nor was, he wasn't taught the gospel like Peter sat down and taught Paul the gospel. He got it from God, from the Lord Jesus Christ. When did he get it? I would have to say it was on the Damascus Road. And so Paul, when he heard the gospel from the lips of Jesus Christ on the Damascus Road, he believed it. And he knew it was from the Lord Jesus Christ. And his calling was to be an apostle. That's unique. Not everybody is called to be an apostle. Paul was. So there you have it. He telling that verse 12. I didn't receive it from any man. He didn't go to the other. We're going to get to that part where he's letting you know that it is not of human origin. He got it directly from the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's go through a few points here. Point A. While the gospel is the same in every age, there is something unique about the age we are in now. Quote, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. <clears throat> so even though the gospel, as I said, is the same in every age, it is. What the, gosh, the gospel ushers us into in this age is unique. We, we can't just dismiss that and say, oh, it doesn't really matter. It matters. One, the gospel saves. It takes us out of the category of Adam, lost, and puts us in the category of saved, either by promise, because Christ hadn't come yet, or by fact, because Christ did come already. Like, for instance, Peter, James, and John, they existed after the resurrection. It was a short period after the resurrection where Christ paid for the sins of the world, and God was satisfied with the work of Christ on our behalf. But there was a short period where Peter, James, and John were still, uh, even though that, was, that happened, 
they, they were not in the church age. Right? There was 40 days. And there, there was that period. So then the church age happened and then the Holy Spirit came and, and dwelt on. But now, when we believe in Christ in this age, after that, the Holy Spirit, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, and ministries, I would say, the five additional ministries of the Holy Spirit simultaneously happen at the moment we believe in Christ. So this is the reality for everybody in this age. Not so for those in the previous age. When you were saved in the Old Testament, you were not in Christ. You were in Adam still. But you were saved by promise. But now, for a person who believes and is in Christ, the moment they believe, they are also ushered into the body of Christ. If any man, it says, is in Christ, he is a new creation. So even though, so, so the gospel in our age is instricably tied to the work of God in calling out many sons into glory in this age. It, it, we, you can't untie the two. You can't say, okay, well, in teaching we can. We can say, okay, what, what happens? Well, first you're saved, you have eternal life and all that. But then the Holy Spirit, we can talk about it like that, but really all that happens just like that. moment you believe, all these things happen simultaneously. So Paul begins to even call it his gospel. Why does he say it's his gospel? He's trying to distinguish what happens to us from what happened to people in the Old Testament when we're saved. We'll get more into that as well. But we, are, we can't help it. This is the truth. This is the reality. When we're saved, we're not under the law. We're not Israel. We're not Gentile. We're, we're new in Christ. So there's a lot to learn for us who are in Christ in this age. Point B, let's keep going. While the gospel is, was, and will always be good news, the announcement of God's eternal purpose, which was hidden, is also very good news. I'll just read Ephesians 3, 6 through 9. Let's read it. It's very good news. So, wow, we talk about the gospel. It means good news? Well, what would all this mean? Right? 6, the mystery is that through the, through the gospel, there it is, through the gospel, that's how we get to all of this. This is what we were just talking about. Through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel. This never happened before in the Old Testament. It was always Gentiles and Jews. Uh, yeah, that was it for the whole Old Testament. Now we are members together of one body. This one body we now know is the church, his body, the fullness of him. Right? Shares together in the promise in Christ Jesus. Well, Christ made a lot of promises in terms of God's going to send the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Spirit. That's what the promise in Christ Jesus is. It's not going back to the Old Testament and looking for promises that were said by God in the Old Testament. The promise that Jesus brought <clears throat> is that we would all be baptized. John baptized with water, but you will be baptized by the Holy Spirit. We all share that together. And what does it mean? We're going to be in Christ through the baptism of the Holy Spirit and ministries that accompany that gifting. Verse 7, I became a servant of this gospel. Now, you know when he says this gospel, is he just talking about, is he just talking about the um, salvation? He, he's, he is on the one hand, but he's also talking about it from what he just, the context is not about salvation. It is about what happens after salvation. For us, we are saved unto this. This is not something that's separate. 
So Paul says, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. So this gospel that he's talking about is, if, if, you, if you put it together, because that's what happens in this age, you are born into this. So he says, he, he became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working. Now when Paul was saved, he was in the church. He was saved automatically, and all of these things happened automatically. He received the baptism of the Spirit, all these ministries of the Holy Spirit. All of this happened. And now the very gospel that Paul preaches, everybody that he preaches it to is going to be a recipient of the same thing that he received. So he came after the, the, the disciples. The disciples were, remember, they were saved as when they were in Judaism and they were under the law and all that, they thought Christ came along. He said, believe me, I'm telling you, just like you believe God, believe also in me. And they had, they saw the miracles and signs and wonders and they did walk away and say, okay, God, you're doing something through this Christ. So I'm going to follow. I believe he is the Christ. But none, none of that happened to the apostle Paul. The moment he believed, he was automatically in the church, and God designated him as an apostle. This happened the moment Paul believed in Christ. He had to just learn about it. Uh, although, verse 8, I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ. So notice, Paul is preaching salvation, but he's also once a person is saved, then he has to tell them about the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone, not just Gentiles, everyone he comes in contact with, the administration of this mystery. And then there he is. He's talking about the new age that we find ourselves in, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. So in other words, this is the motivation for God to create all things. It was kept hidden. He had this motivation, but now we are seeing that it has come to light what God was thinking before he created all things. Let's get back to our notes. So that was, um, <clears throat> I believe that was point B. No, no, that was point A. Point B, while the gospel is, no, this was, um, yeah, the very good news, point B. Point C, Paul had a special message for those in this age, as well as confirming the authentic gospel. So I'm going to read Romans 16, 25 through 27. Uh, let's read that. 16, 25 through 27. So it says, <clears throat> Now to him who is able to establish you, here it is, according with, in accordance with my gospel. So here, here it all is put together, right? Let's read it from the start. Now to him who is able to establish you in accordance with my gospel, the message I proclaim about Jesus Christ <clears throat> in keeping with the revelation of the mystery hidden for long ages past. Well, <laughs> so as I said in point B, while the gospel is, was, and will always be good news, the announcement of God's eternal purpose, which was hidden, is also very good news. So that is true. When I, You see how Paul is linking what's happening now with the word gospel. That is gospel to us. But now is made known through the prophetic, here it is, but now is revealed through the, uh, and made known. It wasn't made known prior. What was not made known? The gospel was, but this mystery wasn't. That's why it's in keeping with the revelation of the mystery. So we can't, even though we separate it out, we say, okay, well, believe and you're saved, right? We have to do it like that because of our humanness. And then we want to begin to teach that person what it is to be in Christ. They kind of go together. 
right? Salvation's by grace. All of this is by grace. It's not, you don't earn or deserve any of it. So notice, here it is. <clears throat> let's read 620. Let's finish the verse. But now revealed and made known through the prophetic writings by the command of the eternal God so that all the Gentiles might come to the obedience that comes from faith. To the only wise God be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Amen. So the obedience, that's all you need is faith. That's it. So notice how Paul links the two. That's important for us to see. So right now we're at, uh, that was point C of point number six, 6C, where Paul had a special message for those in this age, as well as confirming the authentic gospel. Let's keep going. Oh, you know, so I might want to read this other one, just so you know. So this, this other one is where Paul talks about in Ephesians chapter 6. We've read this many times before, but I think it's appropriate to read it now at this juncture. So Ephesians 6, where Paul talks about the different uh, accruements that you would have for battle, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, taking the... Helmet of salvation, the sword of spirit, which is the word of God. Verse six, this is Ephesians six eighteen, <clears throat> and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. And he says, pray also for me, that whenever I speak, words may be given me, so that I will fearlessly make known. Notice this, the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. So, <clears throat> so we're not just ministers of the gospel. We are ambassadors for Christ. We're not meant just ministers of reconciliation. We're ambassadors for Christ. And so that everybody who we usher in is somebody who is in Christ in this age. We should know that. This is part of the gospel that we preach. For which I am an ambassador in chains. <clears throat> Paul says he's in jail because of not just the gospel, but by him fearlessly making known the mystery of the gospel. That part of the gospel that offends religious people is the mystery. This is what got Paul thrown in jail because people thought Paul was trying to overthrow Israel. He was, he was trying to destroy Israel. Paul wasn't trying to destroy Israel. Israel's coming back, as we already saw in Romans 11 on Wednesdays. He wasn't destroying Israel, but he was letting people know that God had a new plan and it's called the church the gospel according to uh, the revelation of the mystery so i thought that if just for your notes i could have put it in the notes but that verse comes to mind as well back to our notes where, where are we here <clears throat> so that was uh, i think we finish galatians 1 point number six we're going to switch gears into a new topic. And this new topic, uh, Paul's introduction is what I call it. Right? Uh, this is Galatians 1, 13 through 24. So we'll get to, we won't finish it, obviously, but we'll get a couple verses maybe under our belt. We'll see. Maybe we can finish these two verses and then we'll call it. So Galatians 1, 13, Paul says, for you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. <clears throat> so I think you got the, we already have been studying about Paul's uh, exploits when he was Saul, who was Saul of Tarsus. And we got a chance to see a little bit of it. We, we will get a chance to see a little bit more of who he is. 
because we're at the verse where Paul says how I intensely persecuted church God and tried to destroy it. Yeah, he's admitting. This is what I call transparency. I like it. Look, it's we've all done things that were bad. I'm not saying we should confess to everybody who, what we are, but notice Paul's transparency before God as an apostle. He is writing on behalf of God. And he says, I was in the way. I was part of the problem. In fact, I was, I mean, I was beyond what was normal, as we're going to get to it in a minute. But this, this is intense, what Paul was. He was somebody who was relentless and persecuting the church. And he says he wanted to destroy it. That means wipe it off the face of the earth. He thought it was a blight. Something that was trying to destroy Israel, replace Israel. So imagine you got replacement theorists today who are saying that the church replaces Israel. Paul was fighting for that point. He was like, I don't want anybody to think the law of Moses is going away. The church can't replace us. God hasn't changed. We're going to stick to the Mosaic law or die. That's what he said. Let's look at a few points there. Point A, Paul's previous way of life in Judaism. It's Philippians 3, 1 through 7. Let's look at it. I can read a lot of commentaries. Now, I will just tell you that I even put some references here for you to go back and read. But information of this sort can be seen, some good information can be seen in commentaries about these verses. So if you really want to read up on this and feel like you want to become more, you know, intimate with these details, you can. There is more information out there in the commentaries, which you should all have access to. So, um, Let's look at it. Philippians 3. This is how, what Paul's life was, his previous way of life in Judaism. So I'm going to read, uh, Further, my brothers, this is Philippians 3, 1 through 7. Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. Wow. So <laughs> we need that admonition as well. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. He's talking about people who are running around uh, behind Paul, right? Because Paul is giving, he is the God, he was, he's the apostle to the Gentiles. Think about this for a second. So Peter and James and John and others are going to the <clears throat> circumcision, right? They're those who are circumcised. So they didn't have this issue per se, but Paul and Barnabas and some of the others, Timothy and Titus and so forth, his group is going to the Gentiles. And so some people thought that it was expedient that if Paul is going out to these Gentiles and he's telling people the gospel, to believe in the Messiah, Jesus Christ, he better also tell them to be circumcised and keep the law. Yeah. Peter and them didn't have that as an issue, but Paul did. Now, obviously, Peter and James and then these other ones should have known that the gospel did not include people just following the Mosaic law, that the gospel was to <clears throat> change, was a change of dispensation. But we have to give a little bit of leeway to the people in the first century. This controversy was huge. The Mosaic Law had been going on for a long time. And again, we've even, we're still trying to sort out the relationship that we have between Israel and the church. And people are doing that today. Look, we got Romans 11. We just are going through Romans 11, and Paul brought out some beautiful things. Not that we didn't already know them, but like he said, I don't have a problem repeating the same things again to you. You need this as a safeguard. 
So this is not an easy thing. Now, it should have been. I'm not trying to say it. It's that God didn't signal through signs and wonders and miracles. But I can tell you, people were reticent to believe. They were slow to believe, like he said to the those disciples on the road to Emmaus. How foolish are you and slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. So God definitely spoke that this is the direction man moves slowly. Some believed and said, yeah, I believe that Jesus is the Messiah, but I don't know about this other stuff you've been talking about. So that was tough for the Jews. And you find that the Jews had the roughest time in the church age than Gentiles, as we read. We're going to get to Romans 14 when it talks about those who are weak in faith and those who are strong in faith. We'll get to that. But just know, all right, let, let's just keep in mind, this is what the atmosphere was. It was trouble. People did not want to switch traditionally what was different. So watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. So notice verse 3 is a play on words, right? You got those mutilators of the flesh. But Paul is saying, <clears throat> we who are the circumcision, the real circumcision, he's talking about the circumcision of the heart. And that means where God has cut us out of the flesh. He's talking about this. He's in the flesh is representative of the sinful nature. We're separated from that. So it's a play on words. And hopefully you don't see this as we are now some sort of Jews circumcision. That's not what he's saying at all. Okay, so he's talking about we put no confidence in the flesh. It ain't about the flesh. Verse 4. Though I myself have reasons for such confidence. Now, what confidence? Confidence in the flesh, like those evildoers, like those dogs, like those mutilators of the flesh. I myself, he's saying, he's going to go down this road with you, show you who he was. I myself have such reasons such for such confidence. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Paul's saying, I, I'm going to show you why I would have trusted in my heritage, my pedigree, when it comes to who I am in the flesh. Here it is. Let's read it. Verse 5. Circumcised on the eighth day. By him saying this, he's letting you know, even before he was conscious, he, his mother and father did the right thing for him. Because he couldn't, he didn't circumcise himself on the eighth day. God forbid. No, but he's saying I've had I was I had responsible Jewish parents who did the right thing on my behalf when I was uh, just eight days old. Of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. Benjamin was one of those tribes that were prestigious when it came to uh, who. Because remember. Joseph had to had been there was uh, two sons that um, Joseph and Benjamin that Jacob had, and those two tribes. Remember, Jacob loved Joseph the most. He remember he had the tricolor coat and all that, uh, or the multicolor coat. I don't have to tell you the whole story, but they were tribes that were saw themselves as prestigious. In Israel, Benjamin, Joseph, right? A Hebrew of Hebrews. In, so the Hebrew of Hebrews means that he was a teacher, somebody who excelled in, uh, in terms of his uh, calling, that he was a Pharisee, as we're getting ready to say. In regard to the law, a Pharisee. A Pharisee is the highest you can be. You can't be higher. The, the Pharisees were viewed as the highest level of commitment and devotion to God. 
to question the motives of a Pharisee was almost, they were next to God in terms of how people saw them. They had the highest commitment. Whatever works were required. Pharisees, if they didn't have it down, they would practice it over and over and over until they had it perfectly down. That's how fair. They were what I call professional religious people. They didn't go to work. All they did was practice being religious their whole time. Professional religious people. He was a Hebrew of Hebrews. In regard to the law, a Pharisee. And he's going to get to later, I excelled among my peers. We'll get to that later. But we're just looking at Paul's own assessment of himself. If he was going to have, if somebody would be having confidence in the flesh, Paul says, me, I certainly had it. Man, my head was certainly big when it came to my uh, time in, in, as a Jew. Verse 6, as for zeal, <laughs> was Paul zealous persecuting the church? This is a badge of honor for him. This is what he thought would say, well, if anybody's close to God, I didn't just resist the church. I didn't just say that the church was bad, that people shouldn't join it, or that you shouldn't go that way. I persecuted the church. That's what. I, that's letting you know where I was when I was in the flesh. I persecuted the church. That's my badge of honor. As for righteousness based on the law, this was his estimation of himself. This is not God's estimation. Faultless. But that's how Pharisees saw themselves before God. Because they practiced over and over. When it came to giving, you name it. Whatever the duties were, whatever the law said, Pharisees figured it out and they did it. Regular people. They didn't have time for that. They had to make a living and go out and do all these things. They, they didn't have time to go out there doing this. Pharisees made it their number one goal. They were like monks who just sequestered themselves from the people. And when they did see the people, they were in these flowing robes. and People would look at them as though they were next to God. So he said, Father. And when you read in Romans where Paul says, when he finally, when the Spirit got hold of Paul and he started looking at himself with regard to the law, he says there was not one command that he could keep. When he tried to keep it, he says, just the one command that says you should not covet. He says, I, every time I tried to keep it, he says, and I saw within me every covetous desire there was. He was guilty. Tremendously guilty, if that's a way to say it, of everything when it came to the law. But that's when the Spirit got hold of him, not religion. So he saw the law for its true purpose, which was to show him that he was dead. It was to minister to him that he was dead and condemned before God. So... So he says, faultless here in the flesh. But then when he understood, he was like, man, I couldn't keep the law. I couldn't even keep, forget about faultless. I couldn't even keep one commandment. And then he said, whenever I tried to do good, evil was present with me. I couldn't even do one thing that was good, Paul said. Every time I tried to do good, evil trumped it every single time. So whatever gains, verse 7, whatever gains uh, were gains to me, which I thought were gains, what I thought were, uh, you know, as he said before, badges of honor, whatever I thought was a tribe of Benjamin, Pharisee, all these things that I thought I was, whatever gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. So when, you, when you're talking about a Pharisee who was there 
to the fact where now Paul can say it was a loss. He considers it a loss for the sake of Christ. That's amazing. What a turnaround. What an enlightenment where Paul embraced Christ and what he gained. What is more, verse 8, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things and consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own, self-righteousness, the big lie that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith, right? This is the same thing he's preaching, the obedience of faith. He's in Christ now. That supersedes whatever he was as a Pharisee. <laughs> Paul says, not only that, I consider what I was garbage, refuse, something to be thrown away. Get away from me. Nobody holds on to garbage and well I wouldn't say nobody some people do but garbage is something generally you want to get rid of refuse dung as King James translates it so this going back to our notes let's just get back to where we are I just wanted to read this because this is Paul's own assessment of himself now look we can read what the commentary says we're going to get some information from the commentary. And as I said, you can get more information from the commentary as we go forward. But what I want you to know is the best testimony is Paul's own testimony. There you have it. Point B, how intensely I persecuted the church. Now, why I'm taking this phrase. We're going to close after this because of time. But I thought, one, I, a lot of times I will give you the definitions from fair or strong. But this time I thought, why not show you the different ways this word is translated? And this will give you an idea of what it means. So, how intensely I persecuted the church. That's the NIV already. You already know that. Intensely is the word Paul used. King James says, I persecuted the church, persecuted beyond measure. That's more like what the, the word actually means. It means you, you took something already beyond, but then you exceeded what was normally beyond to some other place, even worse. That's what beyond measure means. And the NET says savagely persecuted, savagely they used. ESV, persecuted violently. The LSV, exceedingly persecuted. These are, some, these are some of the ways these different Bible translators rendered this word. CEV, cruel to God's church. Cruel to God's church. The GNB, persecuted without mercy. That's the word Paul used of how he responded to the grace of God and the church, which is God's new direction, this new age. Why would you want to fight the glorious life that we have in Christ? Well, Paul was on that side. He's letting you know, I was there. And why would we in this church not want that this glorious life that God has given us to be seen? God revealed it. It is upon us not only to preach salvation, which is free by grace, but to show what we are saved unto. If any man is in Christ, he is a new Creation. Won't you be ambassadors with me? This is, this is an invitation. You are in Christ. Will you also be an ambassador of Christ? 
for this age. We're going to have to quit. We will come back next week. We'll continue with the same thought. Let's bow our heads. Thank you, Father, again, as we focused our attention on your word. And, Father, as we look at the things that are in your word about us, it is amazing. It is astounding. It is remarkable, the things that you've shown us here. So, Father, we thank you as this is written for us. We can always go back and review what you've said. We pray for those who are under the sound of my voice, who are here. Father, challenge each one of them to put uh, their lives in the order that we see here in your word. That we have you as our highest priority. And we thank you for revealing this to us so that we uh, even have the option, the opportunity to serve you in this way. All of this we ask in Christ's name, asking you to bring us back next week so we can continue our journey in Galatians. It's in Christ's name, amen. 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 amen.